turn in God's Word this morning to the Gospel according to Mark, the third chapter. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3 as we continue our study. Mark's good news to us. We are up to Mark chapter 3, verse 7. Actually, in our message today, we're going to cover the entire rest of the chapter, but it is divided into four very distinct responses and reactions that occur. So that's the the theme of the message, the responses and reactions to what is going on in the work of Jesus Christ as the Son of Man, the Son of God, the suffering servant, the one who came to give his life as a ransom for many. So we're going to begin by reading verses 7 through 12, but I'd invite you, if you have a scripture, to leave it open as we go through the various points of our message. We'll read the section associated with that. Mark 3 then, 7 through 12, God's breathed out word to us. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. And a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. He strictly ordered them. Not to make him known. As far as this portion, let's again bow in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank thee, Lord, that we could come into thy house on this thy Sabbath day, Lord. We thank thee also, Lord, for your word. And now we, as we open your word and we hear a portion of your word, put it unto our hearts. And Lord, be with Pastor Bob and give him the words to say that we can apply these to our lives and live our lives pleasing to thee. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So our first point is that many followed. That's pretty obvious from the passage we just read. Many followed. There is a great crowd. That's what the text tells us. A great crowd. Now we've, we've seen crowds before as they followed Jesus, but, but now Mark adds this descriptor. It is a great crowd. Because the numbers have swelled. Why? Because it's not just Galilee. See, previous to this, as Jesus has been ministering in Galilee, the word has gotten out around Galilee about the work of Jesus, his work of miracles that is going on, the healings that he has performed. And people were bringing the sick, bringing them to Jesus from around Galilee. But notice how Mark now tells us, no, it's not just Galilee, that province, that area. Now they're coming from Judea. And not just on the border, not just those areas that are close to Galilee, but they're coming from Jerusalem. 
They're making the journey all the way from Jerusalem to Galilee. And, and we have to understand the significance of that. Galilee is considered kind of the outcast area. You don't go to Galilee. Jerusalem is where it's at. Jerusalem is the heart of the nation in terms of its politics, but also in terms of its spiritual being. Jerusalem is the center. To journey to Galilee, after all, does anything good come out of Nazareth? Why would you go there? But you see, the draw of Jesus is so strong, so powerful, that people are even leaving Jerusalem to go to see Jesus. But notice the text, and Edimaeus, and from beyond the Jordan. They're coming from the other side. They're coming from all the way down by the Dead Sea. They're coming from Tyre and Sidon. They're, it's as if they're coming out of the woodwork. A great crowd now comes to Jesus. And it's a persistent crowd. Notice how we're told a couple of times about how persistent they are. Mark even notes, as if it were possible, they are so persistent that they are so desirous to get to Jesus, there's even some fear they might crush him. Think about that. Here is this great rabbi, this miracle worker. They are so desirous to get to him, they're ready to, as it were, knock down everybody in their way. And even if they need to, they're ready to crush Jesus. They're ready to knock him down just so that they can get a hold of him and touch him. Mark mentions this a second time in the text. In verse 10. It says, they pressed around him to touch him. So here's Jesus in the middle of this great crowd. And here are these people just pushing, pushing, trying to wiggle their way in. Looks like a bunch of shoppers on Black Friday at Walmart, right? I mean, there's your picture. Okay, we're all going to see the videos of it. We're all going to watch it. Okay, and we're all going to go, ha. Huh. Foolish people, and then we're going to think, no, maybe we'll go. Yeah. We see these pictures, the, the people at the mall who are just at the door, pushing, pushing, pushing to get a deal. We have the same sort of an idea here. They're pushing, they're pressing, they're trying, and, and the, the, the space is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Until it becomes hard even for Jesus to move about. It's a persistent crowd. But this crowd is also very needy. I don't know if you've been struck by this, but, but one of the things that, that just strikes me so far as we've made our way into Mark, and we're only up to chapter 3, is how needy these people were. The sick, the ill, crippled. The demon possessed. It's almost as if Satan seems to be throwing everything. He's throwing everything he can in Jesus' direction. Let's see if you can do this. Let's see if you can do that. Let's see if you can deal with this. 
take this all, of course, in the providence and the sovereignty of God. But let's not miss the suffering. And let's not miss the Savior who is healing many. He's not being stingy. He's not withholding. What an amazing picture this is. There's one reaction. The crowd pressing in on Jesus. So he's got to get in a boat. We're going to read in a, another occasion when Jesus gets in the boat. The, the disciples are paddling away in the boat. And the crowd's running to get to where the boat's going to land. So desirous to be with Jesus. Now, you and I would analyze this and we'd probably say, well, from a theological point of view, these people probably have it missed. Because they're only seeing Jesus as the miracle worker. And I would tend to agree with you. But what is better, my friends? To know the truth of Jesus and to not seek him and not to press towards him at all? Or to see him only as the miracle worker? But to seek to press in upon him. You know, we may analyze this and say, well, they didn't have good faith. Agreed. But if you do have true faith, how much more should we be seeking Jesus then? How much more should it be upon our hearts that there is a desire to be with Jesus? How much more should there be a desire in our hearts to be at this table, to come, to spend time with our Lord? in his word, with his people, at his table. We take it for granted. They miss the point. I think I actually know which of the two is worse. To know the truth, but not to be persistent in it. far worse than seeking Christ, albeit for the wrong reasons. Well, let's pick it up from there. How does Jesus respond to this? Got this great crowd that needs to be ministered to. How does Jesus respond? Verse 13. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him, and he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach, and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the, the name Bonaugis, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew and Philip, and Bartholomew and Matthew, and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. 
How does Jesus respond? Jesus appoints a few. And, and I find it interesting how Mark phrases this. And he called to him those whom he desired. See, this is not the disciples' plan. What is happening here is not the disciples going, boy, you know, we got a big crowd. What's the best way to deal with this? How do we deal with this large crowd? Let's come up with some ideas as to how we deal with this growth that is being experienced. It's Jesus who has a desire. Jesus who has a plan. Jesus whose plan is to train, to teach. Oh, you see, it says to be with him so that they might be with him. See, here's the purpose of selecting the twelve. That they might be with him. That he might disciple them. That he might train them. That they might learn from him. And, note the text, that he might send them out to preach. So it's both sides of this. He's not just training them for no purpose. The training is for the purpose of sending. But you can't send those who are not trained. Notice he is calling them to this great work of mission. You're to go out in my name. You're to preach the gospel. You're even to cast out demons. But before you do so, I need to train you. ask you a question. When do you suppose most missionaries hear the call to mission? When do you suppose it is that somebody has it on their heart? I'm going to be a missionary. This is what I want to do with my life. You know when that is? When they're children. And you know the three leading ways that they hear that call? From the pulpit, from a mission presentation, and in their Sunday school class. See, my friends, we need to be thinking 50, 60, 75, 100 years into the future. We need to raise up missionaries for that mission field. How do you do that? By spending time with Jesus. By training, by discipling. See, these are not two mutually exclusive thoughts. Well, we have to choose missions or discipleship. 
Now we can drive that wedge. We can push that wedge. The thought comes to me yesterday, I was splitting some wood and, and I'm watching that wedge going through a big log and here's this big log and the wedge goes right through it and it just splits it in half. Yeah, you, you can take this issue and drive the wedge, split things up, or you can see what Scripture says. You do both. Go ye into all the world. Teach, disciple, train. Who goes out into the world? Those who have been taught, those who have been trained. We have to do our best at both. That's what Jesus is doing. There is a large, hungry, needy crowd. There are billions of people without Christ. The desire of little farms ought to be, Lord, we want to put 10 missionaries from our own congregation. We want to put 25 missionaries from our own congregation. We don't want to support only those from out, 